So maybe a first question would be, give us a state of just your tribe. Madison has just been designated in December, Truax Field, as the home of F-35A. Doctor, can you start? Give us an overview. Megan Wolf is the administrator of the Wisconsin Elections Commission, which makes her the state's top election official. And with a history-making election next Tuesday, it's a great time for Megan. Thanks so much for making time for a newsmakers with uh, Wisconsin. I, I I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, let's do an overview first. Um, as of yesterday, we had 3.661 million registered voters. That's an increase from four years ago of about 3.6%, 3.5. Our population has only gone up over those four years, 1.5%. So why do you think, we're just doing some generalities here. Why do you think we have such a pretty impressive increase in the number of voters? You know, I think there might be more of an awareness, especially this year, to some of our online resources, like online voter registration. Now that closed, uh, it closes 20 days before the election. Uh, but I think that as people became more familiar with the absentee by mail process and making their requests through my vote, that there was also an increased awareness of the ability to register to vote online, uh, which requires that you make a match between your information with the DMV and your voter record. And so we continue to see that more and more people are utilizing uh, those options in our state, uh, as well as the in-person options that are available that historically have been utilized in a large volume because we're, we're always a high turnout state uh, where people also choose to register to vote at the polls on election day. And we've had quite a few elections actions here in the state of Wisconsin over the last few years. Well, let's look at what you alluded to. Let's look at the stunning increase in the number of absentee ballots. We're going to show a graph that, that your agency has approved. And we, when we talk about 2008, 647,000 absentee ballots. When we go to uh, 2012, 664. So that's pretty stable. But then when we went to 2016, 819,000 absentee ballots. And now, as of yesterday, thanks for your updates, we're up to 1.545 absentee ballots cast either by mail, dropped off at a clerk's office, or in person. That's an 88% increase. My question, what percentage of that 88% increase in the number of absentee ballots do you think should be attributed to the COVID-19 pandemic? Most of it or uh, a, a very significant part of it? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, it is a pretty significant part of it. However, uh, as we look back at April, so almost overnight, we went from a state that did about 6% uh, absentee voting by mail, which was the average prior to the April 2020 election, to a state that in April ended up doing over 60% absentee by mail. And then if we look at our statewide election in August, that number was closer to 80%. And so I think, especially as we look earlier in this year, it was certainly as a result of the uncertainty and the state and status of the pandemic. 
But I think now it's probably a combination of things still that people choose that option uh, because they think it is the the safest option for them. Uh, And also, I think it's more awareness of the process. So many people cast an absentee ballot by mail for the first time in April and may have put on a calendar year request for the rest of the year. And so they're continuing to engage through that process as well. So I think it's a combination of awareness and still a need for voters uh, that choose that option because they feel it's the best option for them. Let's just look at one more graphic then. The percentage of the vote that's cast absentee. Now, uh, in 2008, 22%. That was also the number 2012. We went to 27% in 2016. But now, when you have 3.661 registered million registered voters, 1.54 have already cast their ballot, absentee ballots either in person or by mail. That's 40, That's about 43%. Um, that is a tremendous increase. Um, what burden does that put on our, we have the most decentralized voter election system in the nation. What burden does that put on our 1,850 clerks and your agency? Yeah, so that's, that's a great question. So absentee voting, it really is a incredibly deliberate, intentional process, especially at the local level. So anytime somebody wants to request an absentee ballot, they first have to be registered. They then have to send an absentee ballot request form and their photo ID to their local election official. And like you said, we have 1,850 city, town, and village election officials here in Wisconsin. And each one of them, then upon receiving that application, has to make sure that that voter is lawfully registered, has to make sure that they've provided everything they need, and then they issue a ballot. And they have to track that in the statewide system. The same sort of checks go into when they receive that ballot back. They have to check that ballot in, uh, again, check that voter's record, make sure that they've signed their certification, that their witness has signed. And then that goes down to the polls. uh, And that envelope is not opened until election day. It's part of the publicly observable process of election day at your polling place uh, when the clerk can finally open that absentee ballot and uh, the poll worker is going to put it through the tabulator as part of the election day proceedings. And so it is a a very careful, deliberate process that does require a lot of work on the behalf of our local election officials on the front and the back end. So this election is gonna look a little different than other elections have because at your polling places, not only will they be processing uh, voters on election day at the polls, but they'll also be processing those absentee ballots at polling places across the state as well. And there's more of those than we've seen ever in a a high turnout election like this. Well, just to clarify, um, can any absentee ballots be counted before the the time that polls open, 7 a.m. on November 3, no? No, no ballots can be counted. So if a ballot, uh, they have to be back by 8 p.m. on election day to be counted, uh, but the clerks cannot begin that counting process until 7 a.m. when the polls open, uh, because counting absentees is part of election day, part of that public process. Now, that that 8 p.m. on election night, November 3, was just upheld by the, I'm sorry, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court just yesterday ruled that um, all absentees must be in the hands of clerks by 8 p.m. on on November 3, correct? That's correct. Is that the orders that your agency had been giving local clerks? In other words, you hadn't anticipated 
the U.S. Supreme Court going along with Judge Conley giving local clerks an additional six days, correct? That, that's correct. So with some of the lower court decisions, there were also stays or injunctions in place on actually implementing any of those changes. So we are back to the statutory norms, what's written in statute which is that absentee ballots have to be back by 8 p.m. on election day to be counted. Um, so although it was a significant decision, of course, it did not re represent any change in terms of what we've been giving in terms of guidance to our local election officials or to our voters. So our, our guidance has consistently been that all absentee ballots for this election must be back by 8 p.m. to be counted. It's too late to ask for an absentee ballot um, online, uh, but not in person, correct? Do I have that right? Well, you can, so the law actually requires anybody to make their absentee ballot request uh, through this Thursday. So the 29th, this is a statutory deadline for somebody to request their absentee by mail. But we really think that voters need to be cognizant of the fact that it can take up to a week for you to receive your ballot and then up to another week for that ballot to get back to your local election official. And so if somebody does want to utilize the absentee by mail process still uh, and request a ballot, they need to plan accordingly that if they do get that ballot before election day, they're going to want to find another way to get that ballot back. So be it utilizing a drop box in your community, bringing it back to your clerk's office, or dropping off your absentee ballot at the polls on election day. But we really do want people to be cognizant that we're now within that seven-day window. And so if you still have an absentee ballot, or if you still are going to utilize that process, uh, that you have to account for the fact that it could take up to a week for each journey in the mail of that ballot. The, the ballot box that is outside my local voting place how do I know that it is secure? Is it monitored? Um, I, I've heard some reference to Fort Knox ballot boxes, but um, how do I know that, 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 that it is uh, not going to be tampered with in, in any way? Yeah, so each of the local election officials get to establish if they want drop boxes and when they do, what those security procedures are going to be in place. And so, like you mentioned, you're going to see those drop boxes in our local communities in secure locations. I know there's one in my neighborhood that is right outside of the fire station. Um, and so our local election officials have made decisions to make sure that those drop boxes are in secure locations, that they're emptying them regularly, that they have oversight over those boxes as well. Uh, but each individual community gets to prescribe the specific specifics of that process. Uh, but reach out to your local election official if you want to learn more about drop boxes in your communities. Uh, we also have that information available on myvote.wi.gov. So when you look up your absentee ballot, when you go to track your absentee ballot, you can also see what we call local absentee options. And this is going to tell you where there's in-person absentee voting in your community and where those drop-off opportunities are as well. Well, Let's go back over it because it's so important. If my absentee ballot arrived in the mail today or I'm holding on to it or it comes in the mail tomorrow, you're now advising me don't, don't put it in the mail. Um, either uh, drop it off at one of these uh, ballot boxes, uh, personally hand it to, to someone in the clerk's office, um, buy 8 p.m. on election night. Uh, what should I do if, I'm, if I've got an absentee ballot in my hand right now? Yeah, I think if you've got the ballot in your hands right now, get that back to a drop box. Get your ballot back to your local election official, to your clerk. 
or drop it off at the polls on election day, um, or you could drop it off during in-person absentee voting in your clerk's office as well. Uh, but you do have to recognize the risk if you potentially put your ballot in the mail at this point. I know the USPS is doing all that they can and they're working with local election officials to make sure that any ballots that they receive in their office make it to the local election officials by 8 p.m. on election day. Uh, but there is no guarantee, uh, you know, depending on how your mail is routed. Again, it could take up to a week. And so recognize those risks, plan accordingly. And if you have an absentee ballot still, uh, please consider returning that in person. What about this example? I plan to vote, I plan to vote in person, but I've just noticed that yesterday, 5,262 positive COVID cases were reported by state officials. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm wondering if I really do wanna to go to the polls in person. Do I have any options at this late date, Megan? So you have a couple of options. So, you know, there is still the possibility to request an absentee ballot. Um, you know, you're going to have to weigh those risks if it will be received in time uh, for you to fill that out and get it back. Uh, but many communities also offer things like a curbside option. So at the polling places on election day, there's an option for people that might um, either be symptomatic uh, or immunocompromised or have other disabilities or reasons why they're not able to vote inside the polls on election day. They're going to be able to vote curbside at their polling place where a, a poll worker can bring their ballot out to their car and conduct voting there uh, without having to have that interaction in the polling place. So reach out to your local communities. Many of them even have that available for in-person absentee. So that's what's happening right now in your clerk's offices. I know in my local community that I see them do uh, sort of a curbside option for folks at the, the neighboring library. So reach out to your local election official, let them know your concern, and they'll be sure to let you know what your options are to be able to cast a ballot to make sure that you and all of our poll workers are safe either during in-person absentee or at the polls on election day. But the takeaway point is that there are still safe ways for me to vote on election day, even though I haven't voted, I don't plan to vote absentee, I plan to vote in person, I still have options to vote and I shouldn't not vote because of my safety fears, correct? Yeah, thanks, Steve. I think that's that's a great takeaway that there are safe options for in-person voting uh, for for all voters. And so if you still would like to cast a ballot either during in-person absentee or at the polls on Election Day, those polling places are equipped. Uh, each procedure has been rethought with public health guidance in mind to keep everyone safe. And so uh, the specifics might look a little different depending on your community and your polling place, uh, but they're all ready to offer those safe options in person. Okay, scenario number two, I'm gonna vote in person, uh, but I am aware that we're seeing a surge of COVID. What protective gear should I wear to the polling place? And, and must I wear a mask? and a shield, will one be offered to me? Um, just talk about what, what choices uh, I'll have to vote safely on, uh, in, in an in-person polling place. Yeah, so at a polling place, your poll workers, your observers uh, are all required to wear uh, masks or face coverings at the polls on election day 
or during in-person voting. And so that is a requirement of those folks that are either working at the polling place or are observing at the polling places as well. Uh, we actually provided hand sanitizer, disinfectant, masks, uh, pens for voters, uh, marking tape for social distancing, signs to all of our polling places. So they all have those things in addition to things like masks for voters that might not have one. Now masks are not required of voters, but they are most certainly recommended. And the reason they're not required is because you can't ascribe an additional qualification to voting, right? Uh, so you can't say that in order for somebody to vote, they need to do X, Y, or Z. And so it's certainly recommended. The commission has passed guidance recommending masks for voters at polling places, uh, but it's not required. And many polling places will have uh, uh, spare masks for uh, voters to be able to utilize if they would like to. Um, and some others might also have a area for voters who aren't wearing masks or who don't want to be exposed to others who might not be wearing masks to be able to vote safely as well. And so each polling place is set up a little differently, um, but those are those are the general requirements and what you can expect to see at the polling places. Uh, I just want to pursue this once uh, a little bit sure. more. So if I vote in person, I'm wearing a mask, I hand over my driver's license, and the poll worker there within her or his right to say, could you lower their, your mask so I could verify your identity, correct? That, that is correct. Actually, the mask mandate does have some exceptions for things like identification. So if a poll worker cannot identify the voter, uh, they can ask them to very briefly lower their mask. Uh, but we do not think that that is required in the vast majority of situations. But yes, if a, if a poll worker can't identify the voter, can't reasonably identify the voter from their photo ID, they could ask them to briefly lower their mask. Now I want to talk about a shortage of poll workers. We uh... We've had so many absentee ballots cast. Uh, are you less worried about major waiting lines or uh, does Wisconsin have a growing problem with the shortage of poll workers? And is it still in larger cities or some of our smaller communities, please? So I have some great news to share on that. Our local communities have done a fantastic job assuring that they have enough poll workers for this election. Uh, like you stated, there's actually fewer voters left to vote at the polls on election day because so many people have voted either absentee by mail or absentee in person uh, that typically Wisconsin would see about 80% of our turnout on election day at the polls. Well, we're looking at somewhere closer to that 40% mark that are going to be at the polls on election day. But that being said, we have roughly the same number of polling places that we have in other general elections, and also the same amount, if not more in some cases, of poll workers. Um, our communities have been planning for not just having enough poll workers, but also having a backup reserve in case somebody becomes ill or is unable to serve on election day, that they have contingency plans in place to be able to pull from an additional reserve pool of poll workers. And so sometimes this might look like county employees who have been trained in the event of an emergency to serve as poll workers or municipal employees, or perhaps they've worked with a school district or a large employer in their community to develop that backup pool. But I'm so proud of Wisconsin's clerks, Wisconsin's voters, for hearing our call for poll workers and stepping up to the plate. We really appreciate it. There are some small communities that still do have some shortages, and we actually display those communities on the myvote.wi.gov website. 
So if you go there and click on become a poll worker, you'll see a list of some of the communities that are still expressing a need. Uh, in smaller communities, even if they're short one or two poll workers, that can represent a significant need for that community. Um, and so please do take a look at those, but we really are feeling in a, a great spot headed into this November election that we have enough polling places, enough poll workers, and that both our voters and our clerks are more comfortable navigating public spaces at this point uh, that we, we really do expect a smooth election day. Just one more clarification at an in-person polling site. One presidential candidate has said uh, they would like a lot of, of, of observers at, at, at their polling places. Can a observer talk to a voter under any circumstances? Yeah, so observers, we do have some guidance about that process. Uh, really, the, the bottom line on that is they need to heed to the direction of the chief inspector of the polling place. So if you're observing, you're going to sign in with the chief inspector. You're going to wear a badge identifying yourself as an observer. And you're going to have to stay in the observer area. Um, observers are not to interact with voters unless a voter requests it. So a voter could ask an observer if they wanted to, to assist them with some point in the process. But other than that, the observer sh should not disrupt the polling location. And if a chief inspector does determine that somebody is causing a disruption, they will be asked to leave. And then, okay, um, can I wear any type of candidate clothing or hats to a polling place, Megan? No, uh, observers, Voters, poll workers should not be wearing any article of clothing or any display advocating for a candidate uh, or for an issue that's specifically on the ballot. So if there was a referendum or something like that. Um, and so again, uh, if you're an observer, you're sitting there all day, you're going to be asked to leave, you're gonna be asked to change if you have uh, something like that that is considered electioneering within the electioneering zone. Uh, same for voters, be prepared for that on election day. You can't electioneer in a polling place, uh, so you shouldn't be wearing any article of clothing uh, that advocates for a candidate or an issue that's on the ballot. So I vote, I leave my polling place and a uh, someone doing an exit interview approaches me. I'm under no obligation as a voter to answer those questions, correct? Absolutely, yeah. There is a polling, exiting polls allowed at polling places within the statutory parameters. But that being said, voters are under no obligation to speak to anybody uh, that's outside of the polls as, as they exit. That's completely voluntary. Okay, I do want to respect your time. Just a few more questions. Sure. What, what additional security is in place since 2018 and 2016, Megan? Given all the national and international um, discussion and reporting on hacking foreign actors, I assume our voter registration site still attempts to get hacked uh, very often, but what additional security procedures are in place, please? Oh, I'd be glad to. Security is one of my favorite things to talk about because we have done so much since 2016. Um, our statewide voter registration database, that's the system that again ensures that voters are lawfully registered. Uh, only one vote counts per voter. That's where we issue absentee ballots. That's where we record participation. Uh, that system has some incredible safety guards in place uh, to 
limits access to, to lawful credentialed uh, users, such as multi-factor authentication, endpoint testing, cybersecurity training that's required of all of our users. We've also done things like a grant program to our local election officials to ensure that they have the technology and the IT support to operate securely. And so our systems are incredibly secure. If there is a um, concern, it's mis and disinformation about security. It's rumors about elections. And I think that we all have a real obligation to learn about how our elections are secured, to interact with the process, to seek out facts. And you can start by going to elections.wi.gov slash 2020. And you can learn all about the security efforts that are in place that make sure that Wisconsin's elections are incredibly secure. The clerks of Outagamie and Calumet County petitioned the Supreme Court for an order on how to handle the 13,500 ballots that the machines will not read. Um, uh, Do you think we need a Supreme Court order uh, very, very soon just to clarify how how those ballots will be counted? I certainly think that clarification as soon as possible will be very useful for those clerks. Um, Our commission did consider this uh, specific issue and recommended to the courts that if they did prescribe a change, that they allow Outagamie County to fill in the timing marks. So a timing mark is what sort of makes a grid for an optical scan piece of voting equipment to be able to read what's on the ballot. It's like a Scantron test or something like that where it has to create a grid. Um, And so by filling in this little tiny box uh, that allows that machine to make that grid, then the ballot is able to be read uh, versus a statutory process which requires each ballot to be remade, which takes a lot longer and has more opportunities potentially for things like errors. And so the commission did recommend that if the court considers this item, that they allow those clerks to fill in the timing marks rather than remake the ballots uh, to help them also be able to reach their statutory timelines in terms of tallying and canvassing the ballots. I wouldn't be a good journalist if I didn't ask you to go over, what if I'm going to the polls registering for the first time, what do I need to bring? Yeah, if you're registering to vote at the polls on election day, please bring with you uh, a proof of residence document. So this could be your state of Wisconsin ID card or driver license if it has your current address on it. It's not required to, uh, but you could also bring something else like a utility bill or a bank statement that shows your current name and your address. If you don't have it printed out, that's okay too. You can actually show your proof of residence document when you're registering to vote on your phone or your mobile device. But please recognize that registering to vote and that proof of residence, that's separate than photo ID when you're getting your ballot. So when you register to vote, you prove where you live. Uh, you have to be, you have to have lived there for 28 days, and you have to show that proof of residence document, like a utility bill or a bank statement. Once you're registered to vote, when you go to get your ballot, that's when you're going to show your photo ID. Now, a photo ID for voting that doesn't have to have your current address on it. That just has to have your current name as it conforms to the name on the poll book. Your picture has to reasonably look like you, and that ID has to either be unexpired 
or expired since the statutory deadline. So if you're using a state of Wisconsin ID card or a driver license, it can actually be expired since the last general election, so since November of 2018, and you can still use that for voting uh, in next week's election. Well, I know you've been asked this before, but I've got to ask it again. Record number of absentee ballots. When do you think we'll know who won Wisconsin for president? Um, How long past uh, November 3, please? Yeah, so uh, this is also one of those things. I love to have this opportunity to educate voters about how result sets are actually created. So we never have certified results on election night. Any election you've ever participated in has to go through three stages of certification plus the voting equipment audits before results are ever certified, before we ever have an official winner of a contest. And by state law, that deadline for the state to certify the November election is December 1st. So we'll be certifying that election at the December 1st meeting, just as is established by law. Now on election night, what you're hearing are unofficial totals. So this is the media making predictions based on some of those unofficial tallies coming in from polling places. And so I think voters need to be aware of that, that whenever you hear those unofficial results on election night, they're just that, they're unofficial. There's really important checks in the process that always happen in the days and the weeks after an election before we have those certified results. But in terms of processing and tallying those unofficial results on election night, Our local election officials continue to increase the number of resources they have available at the polls. Um, I'm sure many of them will be working very long days into the evening, uh, but many of them feel confident that they will be able to get through those absentee ballots and that unofficial tally uh, by election night. Final question, Megan. Which aspect of this Tuesday's election most strikes you as most historically significant? Which, uh, which which part of it really is absolutely fascinating to you as the state uh, election chief? Oh, the, you know, I, I think every part of it, whenever I think about this election and I think about this year and I think about the things our local election officials have done, I'm just beyond humbled and proud of the effort that has gone into this. I think if voters could see the care that's given every single one of your ballots on election day. It's uh, it's it's a really remarkable thing, uh, the number of uh, dedicated public servants that we have in each of our communities handling this process. But I think their ability at the local level and even at the state level to be resourceful, to be resilient, uh, to change so many procedures as it involved uh, by mail absentee from being more manual with the smaller number of absentees that were issued by mail to in the last five months being able to incorporate things like intelligent mail barcodes so that voters can track their absentee ballots has been uh, just an incredible undertaking and something I think we're all really proud of that we've been able to accomplish in the short amount of time and that we're headed into this election feeling very confident that we're gonna be able to accurately serve our voters uh, in terms of delivering democracy to our state. Megan Wolf, Administrator of the Wisconsin Elections Commission. Um, Thank you so much for taking so much time because you have a few million other things to do. (laughs) On behalf of Wisconsin, I and Wisconsin voters, thanks. Thank you. 
This program is a production of Wisconsin Eye, an independent, nonpartisan, nonprofit media network with a mission to inform, educate, and engage the citizens of Wisconsin. Wisconsin Eye is the nation's first and only independently funded state civics broadcast network, providing gavel to gavel access to government proceedings and events at the state capitol. 